Does all hope seem lost as you're suffering? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Christian, you have great hope today. Your afflictions will end. Do you know the unbeliever has no hope that their wrongs in their life will ever be made right? But Christian, your hope is all the wrongs in your life will be made right in the presence of Jesus Christ. Amen to that? It's true. It's like, oh, Ed, it's not happening now, but it will. And the suffering you're going through right now, this present time, doesn't compare to the glory that we reveal in the work of God in your life. And every wrong will be made right. Every pain will be removed. God is working in you right now to bring about great changes for His great glory. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. As believers in Christ, we look forward to the day we're in heaven when every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more suffering, sickness, or death. But in the meantime, we will experience pain and suffering. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will help us maintain the right perspective through those painful trials with eyes set on heaven. We'll concentrate on just one verse, Romans 8:18. It seems strange to us that the righteous suffer while the ungodly seem to have it all. It seems strange to us that after all that we've done in the name of Jesus Christ, that our time will be rewarded with pain. It does seem strange to us that here we are living for God while others that seem to hate God only prosper. It seems like everything is against us. The pain is so deep and so hurtful and so sorrowful. It knocks us off and we almost stumbled. Flip back to Psalm 73, would you? We've almost stumbled. I mean, we've fallen flat on our face. This health scenario, oh, how painful it is. The finances and where I am financially, oh, it's how difficult. I came to work on Monday, and instead of getting that raise I was expecting, I got a pink slip. Oh, how difficult. My marriage wasn't working out the way I thought. We had this sweet, wonderful marriage, but then I come to find out it wasn't, well, it wasn't so sweet and wonderful after all. Why me, Lord? Why me and why now and why this? And in Psalm 73, I mean, the psalmist, that, that psalm is like us. Truly, God is good to Israel, verse 1, to such as pure in heart. I mean, God is good and I know that. But for me, verse 2, my feet almost stumbled. I mean, my steps, they slipped. You thought you were so strong. You had such a foundation in Jesus Christ until this. And it seems strange. It seems way out there. It seems like, well, because I'm a Christian, I shouldn't have to go through these things. But you do, and I do, go through pains in this life. Look at verse 12. He says, he says, Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. And that's how it looks at times. They increase in riches. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. Listen to the plea. He says, oh, look, I've done all this for nothing. I've served God for nothing. Look at my reward. It's pain and suffering. I, I've given everything and, I, and I've served. And now this is my reward to go through pain and sorrow, to be lonely, 
to, to have difficulty? I mean, this is my reward? I, I've washed my hands. And, and so many times when a heavy scenario comes into a believer's life, so many times it breaks my heart to watch guys, to watch gals start to backslide. They don't want to serve God anymore because now God has allowed something very painful into their life and they don't like it. And then that translates into not liking God anymore. And then people, I find, get very angry with God and very upset with God. And they fester and it grows and bitterness starts to take root. And that bitterness feeds pride. And before you know it, forget about it. I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been chastened every... I've been chastened? God is refining me and chastening me and disciplining me and teaching me and correcting me and growing me and changing me. Listen to it again now from the New Living Translation, these same verses. Look at these arrogant people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Was it for nothing that I kept my heart pure? Let me just say, if you're asking that question this morning, let me answer it for you. No. It was not for nothing. Your relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter what's going on in your life, is not for nothing. It's for everything. Your eternity, your your eternal soul. Was it for nothing that I kept my heart pure and kept myself from doing wrong? Listen, none of us are above sin. Those very words, as a psalmist looks out at the arrogant people, you know what's coming out of that psalmist's mouth? Arrogant words. Oh, I've been so perfect. No, we haven't. Oh, I've been so pure. No, we haven't. Oh, I haven't done that. Well, praise God you haven't done that. But there is much to be charged to our account. And the Bible says that if God was to hold our sins against us, who could stand? And so often the pains and the sufferings of life because of this attitude that I shouldn't have to suffer can so shipwreck your faith and you begin to sound and I begin to sound like the psalmist. Was it for nothing that I kept my heart pure? Let me ask you this. Was it for nothing that Jesus Christ died a sacrificial death for you? No, my friend, it wasn't. His sacrificial death wasn't for your success in business. His sacrificial death wasn't for your continued success in marriage or your singleness and purity. His sacrificial death was so that your sins might be forgiven and you might be made right with him. Christians, we suffer. We all go through things. This is the real world. And in the real world, good things happen to bad people. We've seen it. In the real world, friends, bad things happen to good people. In the real world, good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. It goes across the board. This is the real world with real people, and real people experience real pain. And that's why as a pastor, as I flip on what's considered today as Christian television, it absolutely makes me sick. It just sickens me to watch the foolishness that's on TV today. The idea... That this constant offering of false claims that if you will just name it and claim it, it's yours. If you will just plant your seeds of faith, then you can get this ticket. It's a special ticket. Sometimes they refer to it as my anointing becomes your anointing. And there's all sorts of things that they use. But it's really a special golden ticket that if you'll just give enough, 
You can bypass the pains and sorrows of this life. You can be healthy and prosperous. You know what they're saying is that you can bypass the cross. Listen, no true Christian bypasses the cross. None. We all experience pains. It's absolutely... See, because here's the thing. When you're in the midst of a serious pain, you're a very vulnerable person. You're very vulnerable. Might I just encourage you, don't make serious decisions in the midst of a serious pain. Don't make life-changing decisions in the midst of grief and mourning and sorrow and sadness and hurt. And maybe the diagnosis has come back as something that you didn't want to hear. Don't make serious life-changing decisions. Wait upon the Lord so that he might renew your strength. That he might substantiate you and become your sufficiency afresh and anew. I have in my hand a piece of paper. I know many of you can't see it in the back, but it's a piece of paper that's been printed on both sides to look like a handkerchief. That's what it is. It's a piece of paper sent to a dear sister in our church who then passed it on to me. In that envelope with this fake handkerchief were a bunch of foolishness, including this letter. Here I loan you in Jesus' holy name this paper, Bible, faith, handkerchief for something good to happen for you. As we pray, the Holy Spirit said, if you want this home to be blessed, mail a biblical faith handkerchief like the Apostle Paul did in Acts chapter 19, where miracle blessings began when people used these blessed handkerchiefs. Here, let me read what God's Holy Word says to you about these Bible handkerchiefs. In the morning, it says, please take this faith handkerchief. It's a piece of paper out of that Bible. Put it into this self-addressed envelope because the church will pay the postage for you. This is so important. And return it to us in the morning. I repeat, do not keep this faith handkerchief. And please do not break this flow of God's Spirit from my home to your home. Rush this Bible church handkerchief back, for I must write something in the Spirit to you that's good and is coming to your door. And then it says on the back, why don't you right now pray about giving and sowing a biblical seed offering unto the Lord. As your faith leads you to sow a seed, give to the Lord's work, give God your best seed. So go down to Walmart and get some little seeds. <laughs> this is a letter that came to one of the sisters in our church, and it absolutely makes me sick. It's a lie from the very pit of hell, trying to be described, disguised as coming from God. Guard yourself, church. Guard yourself from the foolishness of this world where there are people that will come to you in God's name and want to take advantage of you, especially in the midst of a vulnerable time, in the midst of a sickness, in the midst of a sorrow, in the midst of a loss. Be careful. We have real people that are suffering real things that have a genuine growing faith in Jesus. And I see things every day, difficult things. I hear of them. I watch people go through them, the kinds of things that can cause you to be discouraged, to cause you to just to be overwhelmed. You even begin to wonder, what's wrong with me? Why has this come to pass? Or you might think, what's wrong with God? Has he abandoned me? Has he turned his back on me? And Peter says, it's not a strange thing. What you're going through isn't strange. 
And Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that this suffering, this suffering that we're going through right now in this present time, I consider it, he says, doesn't even compare to the glory that will be revealed in us when we meet Jesus face to face. You know, if you ask some of the heroes of the faith, if we asked all the heroes of the faith, if suffering, that suffering they went through in the present time, was it worth it, Joseph? I mean, seriously, Joseph, was it worth it? Remember Joseph's story? His own brothers, flesh of his flesh, blood of his blood, his own brothers sold him out. And you're like, well, I've been sold out for my brother to slaves? Have you been sold out to become a slave? I mean, thrown away. Dug a pit and thrown him in. And from that pit, you would think, well, God delivered him, right? God got him out of the pit. That would be the great story, wouldn't it? That would be the movie. He's in the pit. He's going through it. And then God shows up and delivers it from the pit. Now, God does show up. And he does. He is removed from the pit. But you know where he went next? To prison. And he served time in prison. Not one year, not two years. He served time in prison 13 years for something he didn't do. And he was forgotten in prison. Just discarded. Which seemed to be the pattern of his life. Just thrown away, discarded. You're worthless, Joseph. You're just going to have suffering and pain your whole life. And there he is in prison. But it's from the prison that God delivered him to the palace. As a matter of fact, if Joseph was here today, he would say, Hey, Ed, take him from Romans chapter 8, 18 to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And let's do that. We'll get to Romans chapter 8, verse 28 in a couple weeks. And I know that some of you, as you're going through it, somebody might share that verse with you very well-meaning, and you're like, I don't want to hear that verse. And I would just say, receive it. It may not make sense to you right now, but it is God's word, and it is God's truth, and it is God's promises. And receive that verse, and receive it to the point where, well, we know. And you may not know that right now, but you will. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. And you're going to know it. You will learn it. Joseph could say that. We know he could say that because we find, and flip back now to Genesis chapter 50. Joseph, in the palace, his brothers come to him, and there's a famine, and they need food, and they need help, and they come, and there comes this point where Joseph is revealed for who he is. And in Genesis chapter 50, look at verse 20. Joseph says this. He's speaking to his brothers, and I mean, his life, he knows, he knows. If you ask Joseph today, he'd say, yes, it was a present time suffering, but God used it greatly in my life. Now I can look back and I can see the hand of God in all of it, even though today in this present time, we may not see the hand of God so clearly. He says, but as for you, verse 20, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You ask Joseph, you ask Moses, Moses spent 40 years. He spent the first 40 years in luxury and peace and ease. I mean, he spent it in Pharaoh's house, being raised by Pharaoh as one of Pharaoh's kids. I mean, the closest comparison that we could probably have today is the royal family in England. You know, those boys, Princess Diana's boys, they live in ease, man. They've got it made. There is not a need in their life. They are untouched and guarded and protected. They have all the money, all the clothes, all the wealth, everything they could possibly need financially and physically. That's how Moses grew up until, until he decided he was going to do God a favor and he was going to deliver the children of Israel and he killed that Egyptian and where did he go next but to the backside of the desert and that might be where you feel like you are today the backside of the desert alone and isolated see in the desert in Moses life and it could be that way with you God was undoing everything that he had learned 
He was undoing the things that he had picked up along the way. He was removing those things. And I've heard that testimony so many times through people here in this fellowship where God is using this church in your life right now to undo some false teachings you picked up along the way, to undo some bad habits that you picked. I mean, some of you didn't even know that the power of God was in you as a Christian to be delivered from these addictions and these things going on in your life. And that's what happened with Moses. For 40 years, he's unlearning everything. He wasn't as smart as he thought he was. And that's a humbling thing to learn, isn't it? To learn that we're not as smart as we thought we were, that we really didn't know everything. As a matter of fact, the more and more we thought we knew, we knew actually less than what we really thought, that we really need a freshness of Jesus every day of our lives. And it was from the desert that then God raised Moses up indeed to deliver the children of Israel. Amazing. You ask the brothers and sisters that have gone before us, and I believe they would agree that this present suffering, the things that are going on in this present time, don't compare. They don't compare to what's up ahead. Those who don't know Jesus Christ have no hope when they suffer. They have no hope. And it makes no sense to them why they go through pain. It's a hopeless existence. Whatever their reason might be for their sufferings, their sufferings don't come for Christ's sake. They don't come because of Jesus or righteousness. So their sufferings don't really produce anything spiritual in their life. Unlike the believer, we have hope. And the sufferings in our life produce spiritual fruit. That as the heat is turned up, the refining process of God takes place. And the impurities of our life are burned away, all in the name of Jesus. Christian, you have great hope today. You have hope that you're soon your afflictions will end. Do you know the unbeliever has no hope that their wrongs in their life will ever be made right? But Christian, your hope is all the wrongs in your life will be made right in the presence of Jesus Christ. Amen to that? It's true. It's like, oh, Ed, it's not happening now, but it will. And the suffering you're going through right now, this present time, doesn't compare to the glory that be revealed in the work of God in your life. And every wrong will be made right. Every pain will be removed. God is working in you right now to bring about great changes for his great glory. And you have hope that your suffering will add to your eternal glory. Would you turn with me as we close in Hebrews chapter 6? Listen. Suffering. All of us would want to avoid it. I know I want to avoid suffering. I don't like it. I don't want to go through it. And when I'm in the midst of it, I want to be removed as fast as I can. I don't want bad things to happen in my life. I don't want difficult things to happen in my life. I don't. But I recognize and I realize that they will and they do happen in my life. I'd want to avoid them. I do think it's strange when I go through something. I don't like suffering. I don't like pain. I don't like pain in my life. I don't like pain in your life. But I realize the value, the refining process, the changes. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17, the writer to the Hebrews is encouraging us. He says, Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. You know, sometimes you read the Bible and you got these big words. Don't let them scare you. You, you might want to read the Bible with a dictionary right next to it so you can work, look up words that you don't understand. Immutability means unchanging. That God doesn't change that he has a plan in your life. He has an immutable counsel. His plan for your life included what you're going through right now. He knew about it. It didn't take him by surprise. It didn't take him off guard. It says, confirming by an oath, verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. You might just want to mark that. It's impossible for your God to lie. You know what that means? That means every promise in the scriptures is yours because God doesn't lie. He doesn't lie to us. He doesn't say one thing and mean another. It says it's impossible for God to lie that we might have strong consolation or comfort 
who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that's set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. And until we're delivered from this body of death, suffering will be a part of our lives. And in the midst of suffering, the decisions that you make can make it easier or more difficult for yourself. In the midst of suffering, the quicker you yield to the work of God's Holy Spirit, the quicker he'll begin to work. But if you resist and you put up a fight, it's only going to prolong and add to the pain in your life. Listen, because you're going through something right now does not mean God ceased to love you. And because you're facing a hardship and a difficulty does not mean that God has forgotten about you that he knows what's going on in your life. And he's given us the Apostle Paul to remind us, for I consider the sufferings of this present age do not compare to the glory that will be revealed in us. They don't compare. And so please, church, as you go through things and you see others go through things, don't give up what you know. Don't throw away the truths that have brought you thus far because something's happened in your life that you can't understand and you can't explain and that you wish so greatly would have never happened. You know, if we were in your shoes standing alongside of you, we would wish it didn't happen either. But it has happened. And now allow God to do a fresh and a new work in your life, to bring you out away from the arrogance that can so easily come, and let him comfort and encourage you. These present sufferings aren't worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. God is at work. And may we find ourselves fully surrendered to him. We're going through Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. But before we part ways, just a few things we want to tell you about. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, as you were talking about the pain and suffering of life, I couldn't help but think someone listening right now is really going through it. Would you leave them with some encouragement and send up a prayer for them too? I'd love to, Larry. For those of you that are struggling, those of you that are wrestling, those of you that are hurting, uh, I want to encourage you in the joy of the Lord, that He loves you, and that you're going to make it through, that God is going to make a way for you to not only persevere, but also deliver you. And sometimes, I'm always reminded that sometimes God delivers us from the fiery trial, And that's always a glorious thing. That's actually what we pray for all the time, delivering us from the trial. But many times what God chooses to do is deliver us through the trial. And so whichever you are right now, know that God loves you, that he cares for you. I'm sorry, you know, just thinking, you know, thinking how this uh, program goes all over the country and is podcasts and people are listening to it at different times, different places. And, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that uh, there's a battle going on in your life. I'm sorry that it's painful. You know, I have my own painful things I live with daily, uh, things that are outside of my control, things that I pray for diligently. You know, I just got back from Israel, and I I take the same prayer request to the Western Wall uh, every year until it's answered. And every year I have a picture taken because I don't want to forget I was there that year. And and when it is answered, I want to show those pictures just to reveal uh, how my heart has always been. Uh, to see things uh, resolved and see things taken care of. And, and I know that's probably the case in your life as well. So, Father, I pray that you would encourage those listening, uh, that they would trust you and be strong in you and find their 
um, sufficiency in your faithfulness. And I pray you to relieve a little bit of the pain. I pray that you would give them strength through the medical treatment. Uh, I pray, God, that you would help them in relation to their broken uh, marriage, their backslidden kids, um, their hurting head, their broken heart. God, mend. You're, I, I just I declare your word today. I just reminded of you being Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And may you be known as Jehovah Rapha in many lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Ed. Do you want to be used by God? I hope your answer is yes. And if so, you'll want to get a copy of Pastor Chuck Smith's book called The Man God Uses. It's our featured resource here in the month of March. Pastor Chuck reveals five essential components of prayer, the danger of the lukewarm gospel, and the secret to the apostle's boldness in the man God uses. He also underscores 14 characteristics to be found in the people God uses throughout the scriptures. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Don't miss our next study in Romans. It's going to be a good one. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora. 